After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Beth Zatha, which has five porticos. In these lay many ill, blind, lame, and paralyzed people. One man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The ill man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Some of us may be wondering if it is still Easter. I mean, after all, the Easter season is not just that one day a year. Some people think of Easter as that one day a year. But we're actually still in the season of Easter, which runs until Pentecost, 50 days. And not only that, but, you know, really every Sunday in the church year is supposed to be a little Easter. It's a little Resurrection Sunday. That's why the season of Lent is 40 days, because we don't count the Sundays, because they are little Resurrection days. They are little Easters. You see, the message of Easter is really the message that we carry through the whole of the Christian year, this message of life, new life in God, life in and through Jesus Christ. And in fact, if you think about the story of Jesus, where does it begin with new life coming into the world? In the birth of Jesus. And where does it end? It ends here in the resurrection of Jesus to new life. It is saying something important to us about the central word of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, it is this message of life. But you know, sometimes we get hung up on the cross. Sometimes we get stuck on the cross. And it, it seems like for some reason in the past 200 years, we've made the cross the center of the Christian faith rather than this story of life, new life, resurrection, God overcoming the world, God in the world bringing life. Now, that isn't to say that the cross is not important. Of course it is, and that forgiveness is important. But if you stop there, then you have a tendency to be judgmental. If you stop at the cross, there's this tendency to focus on sin and mostly on other people's sins. If you stop at the cross, you're going to have this tendency to set up rules and regulations and you're going to begin to say who's in and who's out, who's worthy and who's unworthy. If we focus on the cross and forget about the call to life, we are going to begin to set ourselves up kind of like religious authorities in Jesus' day. 
who were always making decisions about who was simple, who was worthy, who was in, who was out. You see, that central message of the gospel is the gospel of God's grace in bringing life into the world and to all of us, and that Jesus will overcome the death that we deal to one another and the death that is dealt to this world. But here's the other thing. In between the birth, death, and resurrection is Jesus' ministry. And if you stop and look at what Jesus' ministry is all about, you know what it's about? It's about the giving of life. It's about healing people. It's about saying to those who have been considered uh, sinners, like the tax collector, come on, come and eat with me and spend some time with me. It's about feeding 5,000 people and not asking, gee, are you worthy of this food? It's just like, come on, everybody, I'm going to feed you because I am a God of life. That is the reason that I am here. That is who God is. From beginning to end, these stories of Jesus are about the giving of life. And when we come to this story today, it's really going to push a few people here because here in John chapter 5, you get a healing story. And yet, if I were to ask you, someone says to you, uh, I want to be healed by Jesus, what do I need to do? And I guarantee you, most of you are going to say, well, you have to confess Jesus. Most of you are going to say, well, you have to repent of your sins. Most of you are going to say there are things that you have to do if you want to be healed by God. And yet, here in chapter 5, this man does not know Jesus. This man does not confess Jesus. And this man does not repent of any sins. And Jesus has healed him. Which means we're going to have to dig a little deeper here. Uh, Part of what's going on here is Jesus reminding us that it isn't the rules you set. It isn't what you say I am or how I work. It is me, God, who will always be the one who decides how things are going to happen in the world. So don't get stuck on the cross. Because Jesus may be bringing life in a way we are not expecting. And when we come to this story, and so here is this man, 38 years, sitting by this pool. Now, uh, the pool is probably what uh, uh, Jewish people will call a mikvah. It is a cleansing pool. So the idea is if you are told you're sinful, then you have to go to a mikvah and you will be cleansed supposedly and you won't be sinful anymore. Now, of course, his sin is that he is uh, ill in some way. He's, he's paralyzed or he's, he's sick in some way. And, of course, in the, in the ancient story, they're going to say, well, the reason you're in that condition is because you've sinned. That's what he knows. And and let me say, this is one of the places where you always have to stop and say there's a good reason not to be so too literal in uh, the biblical text because that was the best those people knew. You know, God has revealed to us in our day and age uh, that there's genetic transmission. 
that makes people sick. Or that there's a virus that makes people sick. It isn't necessarily because you've done something wrong. There are other factors at work that can sometimes cause these kinds of conditions. But in the ancient world, they said, it's because you sinned. That was their answer. So this man believes he sinned. This man believes if I can only get into this water, I will be cleansed. I will be made well. But he can't get there. Now, you know this pool is right next door to the temple. This pool is right there at God's house. Right there where all the religious people are. And when Jesus comes to this man, the man doesn't cry out for Jesus. The man doesn't say, hey, come over here. The man doesn't even know who Jesus is. Jesus comes over to him and says, do you want to be made well? And the man says, not yes, please. He says, yeah, basically, I've been trying for 38 years. No one will help me. I can't drag myself down to get in the waters to be healed. So here I am. You see, we have this Christian narrative, and it's really, it's not uh, said in the Bible, it's implied in the Bible, that God helps those who help themselves. And there is a, a grain of truth in that, in the fact that if, if we don't live in the way that God asks us to live, then, then, then sure, you know, um, uh, if, if you continually ignore the teachings of Jesus, and, you know, it's okay to say, I believe in Jesus and then do whatever you want. I mean, a lot of people do that. And then you get yourself in a mess. You know, God may say, well, you're going to need to go through that mess because otherwise you're never going to learn not to do that mess again. Right? Sometimes our actions, we have to live out the consequences of it and hopefully learn from it. So in that sense, you know, we do need to respond to God's grace. We do need to listen to what Jesus teaches us. We do need to try and live a life that is faithful and that is giving and that is in service to other people. Sure, of course. But this story tells us that God helps those who really can't help themselves. This man cannot help himself do what they are telling him he's got to do. He's been trying for 38 years. You know, uh, nobody in the temple has come down and said to him, ma'am, what's your name? Uh, what do you need? Nobody in this 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 heart and seat of God in Jerusalem has bothered to get to know this man at all. You know, it's like this. Suppose in 1984, some homeless guy began to sit under a tree outside our church and none of us ever uh, went out to talk to him to learn his name or to ask if we could help. Now, I know this church and within a week we would be out there. We would know that that was Bob and... You know, we would know something about his circumstances. One of the reasons I love this church. But this man, nobody cared about him. And so Jesus knows the whole story. You see, if we're in judgment mode, then all we're going to see is a part of the story. But Jesus sees beyond what we can see. Uh, Jesus never is judgmental. 
Jesus is never judgmental. Jesus is kind. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus looks at the whole story. And if any of you are worried about what happens when you go to meet your maker, remember, Jesus is not judgmental. He is kind. He is compassionate. And he knows your whole story. And so Jesus says to this man, Pick up your mat and walk. Now, what's really important is what comes after verse 9. And and we didn't see that in the text, but listen, it's so important. Because here goes this man after 30 years of, of laying there by that pool. He's up, he's walking, he's carrying his mat, just as Jesus has told him to do. And he goes up and he's walking around like the temple and the religious people start to point fingers. Why are you carrying your mat? Don't you know it's Sunday? Don't you know you can't carry your mat on Sunday? Don't you know you're dishonoring God? And yet that mat is the very sign of the power and the presence and the healing of God. They care more about the mat than they care about the man. Do you hear this? They care more about the mat than they care about the man. They aren't there saying, Well, why are you carrying your mat on a Sunday? So that they can hear of the glory of God. All they want to do is point fingers and say, You know, you're wrong, buddy. You cannot carry your mat on Sunday. Mm-mm-mm. You see how people do the rules and the regulations become way more important than that human life before them. And what's even worse is because they don't know the man. They've never gone outside down to the pool to see him in his suffering. They're not able to go, Bob, you're walking. Because they never bothered to go down and see that man. He was sinful. He was an outsider. He was unworthy of God and unworthy of them. Mm, mm, mm. As Brian would say. (laughs) More interested in the match than the man. And then... Jesus comes up to the temple and finds the man again. Still with his mat in his hand. And now Jesus says, this is the first time the word sin comes into this text. Because now Jesus says to him, now, don't, don't sin anymore. Here's the thing. If you know the Gospel of John, then you know that the Gospel writer, when, when he uses the word sin, is really meaning most of the time unbelief. What Jesus is saying to this man is, you now have seen the truth of God. Don't let those picky people Bring you back into unbelief. The truth is that I love you and I healed you. Not that you're carrying a mat on the Sabbath. The truth is you are worthy of God. Not that you are unworthy for these little things you do in your life or can't do in your life. 
Jesus is saying, do not let them draw you back into unbelief that is judgmental and telling the world who's in, who's out, who's good, who's not. Believe in me. You have seen for yourself. I have raised you up and you are walking. You have new life. That is what you know and believe. You see, if this is what people want to do to you all the time. They want to tell you you're not worthy of new life. They want to tell you that you're sinful. They want to tell you that you don't know God. They want to tell you that you haven't done the things you need to do in order for God to reach you. And Jesus is saying exactly the opposite. He's saying, just pick up your mat and walk. I am with you and I want you to have life. You know, it is true that so often we let the rules and the regulations and the little nitpicking, not maybe us, but sometimes us, but lots of Christians get in the way of the power of life in Jesus Christ. And sometimes you've got to be able to sort of set aside some of that stuff and let God be God you know, um, I was thinking, I, I just finish up with this story. I was thinking the other day, you know, it's been nine years since that EF5 uh, tornado and more. And it, it was the last uh, EF5 tornado in the U.S. And it was horribly destructive. It was a terrible, I'm sure most of you remember how awful that tornado was in you know there were quite a few people who died in that uh the destruction across moore was really widespread and right after that tornado tornado went through you know there were a lot of tv news crews uh, that were on the scene which is what they do they go down to get the story and to send it out to all of us and so uh, uh and i must have watched this a half a dozen times because there was this news crew and that had come across this elderly, more senior seasoned lady uh, whose house had been destroyed. And they're talking to her and she says, you know, I, I went in the bathroom and I sat down and she couldn't, she physically couldn't get in the bathtub. And she said, and I had my little dog in my arms and then the tornado hit and, and ripped apart the house and that little dog was just ripped from my arms and I haven't seen him since. And, of course, as a dog lover, I'm like, oh. And they go on with the interview of this lady. You know, what did the tornado sound like? You know, what did you do? And then this reporter stops. She goes, I hear a dog. That, other than the cameraman, that film crew stopped. They didn't care if they were in an interview, if they were broadcasting. They stopped knowing that this woman could not go down and tear through the rubble. They went and started pulling apart the rubble of her house and out came the little dog virtually unscathed. Yay! And the woman's like, Floppy! And I'm like, Floppy! I mean, it was so beautiful in the midst of that death and destruction. New life! God raising up again to life. And friends, if you've driven down the highway lately and looked at more, guess what? There are signs of new life everywhere. 
You see, God is trying to send us the message that life is the heart of the gospel and it's about how we live day in and day out. Jesus is saying, pick up your mat. 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 Because it is still Easter. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.